Hey everyone, it's Gomer here. I'm recording in my home studio, which is just my office with a microphone in it. Uh, I'm recording from this because I thought it would be really cool that as I was walking home from the auto repair place about three miles from my house, I dropped my dead car off there. I figured, hey, this will be cool. I'll record the audio. But, you know, the little iPhone built-in... the built-in microphone on the earbuds, it just picked up so much road noise that you couldn't that you couldn't even hear me talk. Hello everyone, it's your old pal Gomer here. I'm walking on the side of the road, a very busy road, no sidewalks. It's good times. It's super gross. Uh, <laughs> I'm doing this because yesterday as I was driving home from my favorite bar, Deacon Baldy's, all the power went out in my car. My stereo shut down, everything just ended. So I ended up coasting into the parking lot, into a parking space. Super lucky I didn't have to call a tow truck. So, super bummed. I called the buddy, good old Joey from Deacon Baldy's, and he came and picked me up and uh, took me home around 10.45 last night. My wife and kids had a play date about an hour from our house, so I said, don't worry about me, I'll work from home in the morning. You go and have fun. Take me to the place so I can drop off the key, and then I'll walk home. And Shannon's like, well, what do you mean walk home? And then she's like, well, I guess it'd be good for you. So I want to hit some of the main points that I talked about. Um, Luke is doing a huge event. I'm coming off of a week of theology. We call it Theology of the Body Week. It's for adults and youth, and it's, it's kind of all over the place. It's a lot of fun for me, but there's a ton of conversation that happens around it. And so I didn't want to um, – I'm able to be flexible – so I'm able to be flexible with my hours in the morning. Well, now my car dies, so I just sent them an email last night at midnight saying, listen, I can't come in in the morning. I'll be in in the afternoon. I'll be there all day and evening, and they're fine with that. Um, and so walking back, I thought, oh, this would be a great idea for a show. Me and Luke haven't recorded a show. We've talked about these issues in the last few episodes. And so what I wanted to do was kind of bring home some of the things that I'm doing and learning in my life that is actually changing my life for the better that I never even thought. Have you ever followed like a fitness person, you know, whether they, they sell like juices or, you know, they work for Beachbody as a sales rep or they're just someone who started working out, and all of a sudden, they become captain motivational speaker. Have you ever noticed that, right? All of a sudden, they're not just posting like, hey, check out my big gains while working out. It's like, you can pursue your dreams. I wanted to let you in on a little reason why people do that. It's, it's not like people who all of a sudden think they can become a productivity consultant because they read a book like Getting Things Done and think they can tell people how to work. It's because they've been given this gift that has been elusive in their lives up until that point, and they feel like they can freaking conquer the world with it, and that is energy. You see, the ancient Greeks had it right, a sound mind in a sound body. If you take that phrase and you write it out in Latin, and then you take the first letter of every word, it spells ASICS. That's where (laughs) the company ASICS comes from, a sound mind in a sound body. Now, when you think about it from this perspective, listen, Christianity wants to break you away from vanity and living for this world, but there is plenty in the Greco-Roman philosophical systems that Christians readily adopted. And I think it was with great hesitancy and even fear that we adopted the physical obsessions of the ancient Greeks. Why? Because they were bound to the heroic culture, the warrior culture. They were bound to the shame and honor society that you and I do not belong to. We don't belong to the heroic shame and honor societies. 
where if you smudge my puma, I have to kill you and your family, and we'll start a blood feud, right? We don't want to belong to those type of societies, right? But at the same time, there are still very good things, especially about the virtues, that we can take into our Christian life in our daily walk and, and kind of accept. I want to urge that the, this be a matter of great priority. A, a sound mind and a sound body is the, one of the oldest slogans of the Western world. I'm hopeful that uh, we will place uh, a proper weight on intellectual achievement. But in my judgment, for the long-range happiness and well-being of all of you, for the uh, strengthening of our country, for a more active and vigorous life, that all of you as individuals and as groups will participate in strengthening the physical well-being of young American boys and girls. This is a matter of importance, and I'm hopeful that we can move ahead in the coming months. And so one of the things is this return to, for me, I believe, it's this unif- unity with nature, right? This unity with nature, and this means the natural law of morality as well as the laws of nature that govern things like biology and chemistry, right, and all that stuff that kind of makes us us. We are rational animals. And so this means we have to honor the animal side of our nature, that is the physical body that we have, that we are, as well as the spiritual side of our nature, that is honor our pursuit of holiness and grow in wisdom and virtue. And so this is all this long-winded stuff to say this. I, as I've mentioned many times, am incredibly angry at myself. I have allowed my body to get so out of shape and so weak that I used my sedentary job, my driving in my car, and all this other stuff as excuses not to do the hard thing, not to be, not to embrace strenuousness, right? And so I'm staring at a two and a half foot tall crucifix in front of me right now, hanging on my office wall. It's a Guatemalan crucifix. It's beautiful. It was smuggled out of the country when they were smashing Catholic churches down. A priest, friend of my mother's, actually uh, the guy who vested uh, Father Colin, friend of the show Father Colin, who helped us with that Me Without You episode, the priest that came and vested him when he was ordained to the priesthood, Father Norbert, gave my mother this crucifix, and my mother gave it to me. And I look at this crucifix of blood pouring down from his hands, his feet, his knees, even trickling down his side, his thighs, and his shoulders, And I wrote something on there when I had hit my peak level of disgust with myself. I'm reading Sola the Apostolate. I'm finally, you know, coming out of Lent with this notion of waking up early in order to get this stuff done. And I realized something that I have been saying for a very long time, which is, like, I mean, it's so annoying when you're a public speaker because you say the things you need to hear. And when you don't do them, you just feel like crap all the time. And so the phrase I would say is, when was it in America We decided to change the word happiness and substitute the word comfort. And I realize that that's what we've done. And so what I want to be able to do is I want to give up comfort in order to find Christ my happiness, right? Chapter 1. The Strenuous Life In speaking to you, men of the greatest city of the West, men of the state which gave to the country Lincoln and Grant, men who preeminently and distinctly embody all that is most American in the American character, I wish to preach not the doctrine of ignoble ease, but the doctrine of the strenuous life, the life of toil and effort, of labor and strife, to preach that highest form of success which comes not to the man who desires more easy peace, but to the man who does not shrink from danger, 
from hardship or from bitter toil, and who out of these wins the splendid ultimate triumph. A life of slothful ease, a life of that peace which springs merely from lack either of desire or of power to strive after great things, is as little worthy of a nation as of an individual. I ask only that what every self-respecting American demands from himself and from his sons shall be demanded of the American nation as a whole. That's right. So I'm staring at the crucifix, and right now I'm writing a book. And for those of you who are, I think it's like $30 subscribers or more, you're going to get the first taste of this book whenever it's published. It's all on Christian discipleship. And I look at each chapter from like a weirdly different perspective on discipleship. So one of them is doing like this Ignatian exercise of what we call composition of place, where you put yourself, immerse yourself into the scene of sacred scripture. So you, you use actively your imagination. And I said, now imagine you are a disciple, and this is what you'll experience as a first century Jew who is following this Jewish rabbi. And I realized every single thing I'm saying, here I am trying to teach this stuff to other people, and I'm learning so much. I'm that guy that I learn through teaching, I mean, a thousandfold more than what I do on just my own research. But as I'm plowing through this and doing all this stuff and writing this book, I realized that Christ constantly pushed the crowds away by saying dangerous, difficult, and uncomfortable things, right? Like the guy comes to him, Nicodemus comes to him at night in John chapter 3, and he's like, we know you come from God. And Jesus is like, sure, sure you do. If you know I come from God, then shut up and listen to everything I'm going <laughs> to say. But instead, Jesus basically pushes him away with this crazy teaching called being born again. And the guy's like, what do I do? Climb into my mommy's womb again? How can I do that? I'm an old man. And then Jesus is like, if, you're, if you, you think you're a teacher of Israel and you don't even know these basic things, it's pretty epic how many times Jesus pushes the crowds away. And so I started to realize Jesus is not calling me to comfort. Then I listened to a book, an audio book I have. I listen to a lot of audio books. Um, I have about 90 of them uh, called Radical. And in this, evangelical pastor David Platt, I think he's probably reformed Baptist or something, evangelical pastor David Platt talks about what does it mean to radically follow Jesus. Can you imagine standing in that crowd? Who does this guy think he is? I mean, really, put yourself in their shoes. So I'm supposed to hate my mom and dad and brother and sister and my wife and my children. I'm supposed to pick up an instrument of torture and give up everything I have to follow you. For most of us, Jesus lost us at hello in this passage. It's almost scary for me to think of how I would have responded in the first century to these words. And he looks at it, you know, oftentimes the conservative message is typical American capitalism without anything else added on to it, right? Jesus wants us to be fat and wealthy and retire with huge bank accounts. And he starts challenging his nice suburban megachurch with this radical notion of living for the poor. And he says, I'm not saying you can't have a house, but start to look at your house differently. Don't live for your comfort, live for the kingdom. And so frustrated with myself and growing in baby steps more into a more intense and disciplined prayer life, I wrote with uh, an ex uh, you know, one of those dry erase markers, which are terrible on paper. I wrote, follow my example, give up your comforts, come, it's worth it. And I put that right underneath the crucifix. So every single time when I walk by my office, the crucifix and that sign stares me in the face. 
And I realized something very powerful in my life, that as I have let my body go into weakness, and I don't just mean being fat, I mean being weak, unable to do the things that I want to do. I want my kids to be, in their teenage years, still impressed with daddy's strength. It's one thing to pick a three-year-old up and hold them over your head. It's another thing to take a 10 or 12 or 15-year-old and try to do the same thing. I want dad strength to be with me until I'm – I want to be able to wrestle my boys when they're coming home from college. And right now, all I'm going to be doing is getting a shunt because of my sky-high cholesterol. And I don't want to live that life. And so – I began making a few changes. Now, this is the basic message that I want to say today. I'm going to keep this short. Yeah, right, like I could ever do that. These are the basic changes. There's an Art of Manliness video called Greasing the Gears. We all know that to get stronger, we need to progressively lift more weight. But there's another component of getting stronger that often gets overlooked by the layman lifter. Today, we're going to talk about how strength is a skill and how you can improve that skill by greasing the groove. A concept where he says, listen, okay, so let's say you can do one or two pull-ups. I can't, I can do zero pull-ups, okay? But then he says, okay, so this is what you do. You buy a pull-up bar and you put it on your door frame, you know, one of those pull-up bars, right? And you put it on your door frame. And he says, and every time you walk by that pull-up bar, you you tell yourself, I'm going to do one or two pull-ups. And you do them. And you do it probably 15, 20 times during the day. And what you end up finding is while it's not as good as doing a strong, sustained workout uh, to increase your, you know, your chest and arm muscles in order to do the pull-up, what you're doing is you're still building strength. You're greasing the gears. Fitness expert and father of the kettlebell, Pavel Tetsulin, argues that strength is a skill just like any other. To increase the efficiency of neuromuscular connection, we need to practice strength movements regularly. We have to, as he says, grease the neurological groove. We grease the groove by performing a low set of reps of a particular exercise several times a day. The more you practice that exercise, the more efficient the neuromuscular system becomes. And the more efficient the neuromuscular system becomes, the more reps you can do. And the more reps you can do, the stronger you get. And so I began looking at my life and the shame and embarrassment. Uh, I could not go out and play a full game of basketball without being like utterly exhausted, like devastated exhausted. And I'm, 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 I hate that about myself because I used to do that stuff all the time. Put on so much weight. I lose so much energy. But more than anything, I want to be a good husband and a good father. And one of the things I've noticed, I hope this resonates with those of you who are good husbands or want to be good dads and good moms, but maybe you're overweight. Maybe this sounds familiar. Or maybe you're just tired, right? I don't want to be the guy who's so exhausted from work. I come home and I give my family my leftovers, my exhaust fumes, right? I'm done. You know, I'm a speaker. I speak a lot. And I have a podcast on top of it. I don't want, I still have to have some words left for my wife. If I've given them all away, what am I doing? The soul of the apostle, it reminds us, right, of this notion of getting our priorities straight when it comes to our interior life and our active life. And if I view my wife as an apostolate of my husbandry, right, then that means that I need to preserve something for her and for my kids. Also, I'm the only legitimate source of romance in my wife's life. But if I'm constantly exhausted, then I can't give that. And, and even more so with my kids. Have you ever noticed when you've maybe yelled at your kids or barked at them to go and do something for you because you'd rather stay seated? I can distinctly remember times when like one kid was fighting or hurting another kid and I yelled at them to stop while sitting. Now, obviously, if they're like, you know, super, you know, jump out of the chair and you're springing over there, if they're going to fall off something, crack their skull open like an egg. But 
a lot of stuff I realized there was so much passivity because of my, my laziness. And you don't think of it that way. You think, gosh, what's wrong with my kids? Well, kids are kids, and they don't know this stuff unless we coach them in it. Here's another thing, squats. Can you keep your feet flat and squat down onto the ground? I'm doing it right now. I do this all the time. I just squat. Every opportunity I get, I don't bend over. I squat. Squats are really good exercises to stretch out your body. Also, you know, to do like put weights on it and stuff. But I'm just talking about the stretching. Getting into a low squat. I couldn't do that and keep my feet flat. I always had to get up on the balls of my feet. And now I can keep my feet flat and do this. And the reason why this is important is this, me in this squatting position, I'm eye level with my youngest boy. Now let me tell you, I never am eye level with my youngest boy until now. Why? Unless I'm on my knees or laying on the ground and he's jumping on top of me, we're horse playing and stuff. I'm too fat to want to bend over to get down. I couldn't squat. It was uncomfortable. So I began grease the neurological groove. Every so often, I would just get up at my desk at work and I would just do a squat. Right In the morning, I get up and I do, I do exercises. I pray, I read, and I exercise. I want my daughters and sons and find their dad praying, studying, or exercising. Right, Because those are great things to do, enriching my mind, enriching my soul, enriching my body. These are amazing things that we can do that I ran from for so long. Or I use one of them, namely reading and studying and research, in order to neglect prayer or working out. And now I want to just, I want to end on this. My daughters have, uh, or, so I went out, I'm trying to figure this stuff out. So I got two audiobooks. They're very weird. And they're very awesome. One is called Raising Men, and it's written by a former U.S. Navy SEAL. And it's all of his, like, applying Navy SEAL training to not raising boys. We have too many of those, but raising men. And he, ta- and he uses it with his daughters, too, right? He does the most extreme stuff because he's an extreme person, right? He, when his kids are, like, six months old, they could already swim. When they're three years old, they're taking them up the sheer cliffs, uh, Yosemite, and stuff like that. So stuff that I'm never going to do with my kids. But there's, his whole point is, how many times did I see dads on the outside while the kids are in the swimming pool? In fact, he tells this really candid story of he's swimming with his daughter, not thinking about anything. You know, they're playing, doing flips and all this stuff. And he said at one point his daughters grab his ears and pull him right up to their nose to nose. And she said, Daddy, how come all the other dads aren't in the water? And he's like, what? And he looks over, and it's all the kids. And the dads are just on the periphery of the pool drinking beer or doing whatever, talking to each other. And this is what I realize. My children will not have great memories of me watching them and that's it you know always little kids like daddy watch me daddy watch me but once they get out of that stage they want daddy come play with me and you will never desire to do that if you don't have the energy to do that it becomes a chore and so i began grease the neurological groove with all this stuff and i'm not gonna lie i'm not making this up at all just doing the minimal things for two weeks the desire is there. I use, every time my kids call to me, I try to use it as an excuse to get up and get moving. So if I'm sitting at the chair, drinking a cup of coffee, talking to my wife, and my, and my son says, Daddy, I went poo-poo, right? We're potty training them, successfully nailed it. My wife is a hero. I get up and I run into that room because I want to be active. And I squat down, I talk with him. You know, I'm at that eye level. Let me tell you what happened the first time I got eye level with my son in a squat with my son Thomas. Right now, I've, you know, if you get low with your kids and all that stuff all the time. 
But I squatted down whenever he said my name, and he wasn't looking at me. He turned his head to the side, and then I squatted down right next to him. He goes, Daddy, Daddy, and he turns, and his eyes meet my eyes, and I'm on his level. And he stops in mid-daddy and gets the biggest grin on it. Literally, his whole face lit up like I have never seen before. And he smiles and goes, Daddy. And then he gave me a big old hug. Now, that sounds like such a small thing. But literally, at that moment, I was like, holy crap, I have been depriving him and me of this experience. I don't know how much, ox- uh, what do you call it? O- not oxycotton, oxytocin. You know, that like love bonding hormone was released in him at that moment. But crap, son, it was more than was released when I'm standing over him yelling at him or talking to him or whatever. I'm telling you, these things are amazing. The other thing is an audiobook by a former SEAL called The Way of the Warrior Kid. Now, I got this audiobook. I was super nervous about it because it said, like, from wimpy to warrior. And I'm like, I hate this crap. I hate it when people who are jocks make other kids feel, you know, make people who are out of shape or maybe they're just not physically strong in that regard and blah, blah, blah. You know, I hate it when they make him feel this way. But the book is actually pretty well-rounded. And it's a fictional account. It's actually read by this guy's son, and it's read in that over-the-top children's way. I hate school. And you're like, oh, I can't take this. Uh, so it's kind of like acted in the book, right? So Or dramatized. My daughter, Katiri, my oldest, who's a, in gymnastics, loves this audiobook. We have those little Amazon Alexas. She takes it into her room, and while they're doing quiet time, she has that book playing. So now my kids, when they come down the stairs in the morning, they see Daddy praying, reading, or exercising. They don't see Daddy sitting on his butt watching TV. That's what they used to see if, you know, that's just if I was even out of bed. And so now my daughter has come to me and been like, Daddy, can I exercise with you? Now let me tell you what's crazy about this. My daughter is an awesome gymnast, but she would never do the exercises or very rarely do the exercises with me telling her to do them. Hey, honey, if you want to get better at that beam, you got to do this and this. And she would just look at me. But now that she sees Daddy doing it, guess what? It's a totally different experience. How are our kids going to get that interior drive If we don't model it for them, damn it, what is wrong with me? Why did I wait so long to see this simple truth that our kids need their dads to be the leaders? They need their moms to be the models of the behavior that we yell at them to have. Why is it that it took me so long to see this? This is where people who just start getting active all of a sudden want to become Captain Inspirational. It's also because out of a debt of stupidity that I have, that I don't want anyone else to walk in the path of of what I'm doing. So here's the deal. If you don't have a good prayer life, if you don't have a good physically healthy life, if you're struggling with repeated sins like pornography, the thing you need most of all is discipline. Not military discipline, but even that, right? See, the ancient Greeks had this concept called the unity of the virtues. Now, we see in St. Thomas Aquinas that the form of all the virtues is love. But this unity of all virtues means as I grow in virtue in one area, as I begin to achieve excellence in one area, it leads to achieving virtue in other areas too. 
So when people suck at their prayer life, I encourage them to pick up weights. You can do weight training with a buddy. You might not feel comfortable trying to pray with a buddy, but if you weight train with a buddy, all of a sudden, if you're consistent in that, you'll begin to notice consistency and energy available for other tasks like, oh, I don't know, praying. And once you start getting this discipline, this erit in Greek, excellence, right, you realize that you have freedom that you didn't have. Now, let me break it down to you this way. In America, we are obsessed with the freedom of indifference, what we call freedom from constraints. We have defined freedom as you don't get to tell me what to do, right? Whether we're talking about the government in concerning free speech or gay marriage, we're trying to get rid of constraints. And that is a form of freedom, but that is the lesser form of freedom. The greatest form of freedom is the freedom of excellence. What's the freedom of excellence? The freedom of excellence is freedom for something. So think of it this way. If you have disciplined yourself with the scales of the piano and you've taught yourself the drills and you've played over and over again ad nauseum, those simple melodies and all of this stuff, and Mary had a little lamb and twinkle, twinkle, little star, so that you understand chords and notes, you can read music, you have an ear now for the chords and all this stuff, you've developed the discipline of the freedom to allow you to pursue music. Whereas someone like me who has never done that, I am free from the constraints to walk up that piano, but I can't make music. I'm not free for making music. I'm free from constraints, and all I can do is make noise. And so as Aristotle said, what a man is to a good man, so a harpist is to a good harpist, right? What we need to see is these skills that we build up, these virtues, when they become a part of us, they change who we are in and of ourselves. That's why St. Thomas Aquinas calls faith, hope, and love infused virtues it's a way of living it's a strength in order to live and not just obeying this or that law but becoming this or that type of person and so here's the deal i am now becoming more free in these even the two weeks people that's it of eating a thousand times better of ditching shitty snacks and processed foods and all that crap and i'm not i don't care what you eat i don't care what it takes fasting abstinence, getting rid of certain stuff, drinking more water obviously is key. I don't care if you do it during Nutrisystem or Slim Fast or you're doing the Whole30, which is awesome, or you're just low carbonate, you're Atkins it, you're South Beach dieting it. I don't give a crap how you do it. But getting that discipline over your food intake, getting into that healthy place where you're working out, you actually make energy when you spend it. And that's the law of the gift of JP2 written into our physical nature. JP2 was an athlete. He knew this, that man can only find himself through a sincere gift of himself. You want to find energy, you got to give it away. So now I feel like I am more free to love my kids than I was a month ago. I can get down onto their level. I want to not just watch them play. I want, I want to play with them. That's the difference that this stuff can make. So two books I'm recommending, hilarious, weird, awkward, <laughs> ex-Navy SEALs both, Raising Men and Way of the Warrior Kid. Way of the Warrior Kid is just a silly little two-hour story about a boy who's picked on in fifth grade. He can't do a pull-up. He's bullied, uh, and he's terrified of water because he almost drowned when he was four. And his Navy SEAL uncle stays with him for the summer and trains him to be a warrior, Right. And it's a lot better than what you think because he trains them how to be mentally tough, how to learn better, create systems of discipline and drive. And the other one is Raising Men. That's a great book. 
and it really gets there. It's, it's really like it's a book where it's ninety percent seal stories with like ten percent uh, application to your life, and it, that ten percent is totally worth it. It really is. I'm on my second listen at double speed or triple speed, so uh, it's totally worth it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening so far. But now we got to talk about our sponsor for this show. LumaBox, LumaBox, L-U-M-I-B-O-X, LumaBox.co is a Catholic subscription box supporting artists, musicians, ministers, and creatives. They've been around since February 2017, and they are here to curate and deliver high-quality Catholic products to fill life with beauty and inspire faith. They provide an easy way to support inspired Catholics who are creating for the church, favoring the lesser-known and up-and-coming. I love that. This is a way for the lesser-known and up-and-coming to reach out to a much wider audience and receive support. It lets those who work for our big church family to really connect to others and thrive in their ministry. I want to thank LumaBox for sponsoring our show, and you can help them and this show by going to L-U-M-I-B-O-X dot co, that's C-O. Go to LumaBox.co and check out their subscription packages. It comes in one-month, three-month, and one-year subscriptions and can be given as a gift. This is super important because you visiting our sponsor makes us look good. So just head over to LumaBox, really beautifully designed stuff that you can get once a month to fill life with beauty and inspire faith. Thanks, LumaBox. Thank you, our fans. Luke is working hard at the Abide Conference. He's rocking it. Uh, I am finishing up my Theology of the Body Week. I'm rocking and rolling it, right? Mama's rolling their body. Got every man in here wishing. I'm sipping on Coke and rum. I'm like, so what? I'm drunk. It's the freaking weekend. Gonna have me some fun. That's how I teach Theology of the Body. It's, it's pretty messed up. All right, everyone. Thank you all. This has been Catching Foxes. God bless.